Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, the Steel Cage Deathmatch Meetings, Part 2. Here we go. Now, most folks, I think, you know, 90% of the folks, they go into these steel cage death match meetings and what they rely on is relationships, right? That That's the goodwill they built with their peer managers and their boss. That's how they think they're going to win the day. And in fact, right. that's not where to start, is it? No, no. The classic failure that happens is the manager who turns to their peer or their boss and says, well, but, you know, John, you you know how good my guy Robert is, Right. On the surface, that's fine. I mean, it really is. <laughs> yeah, but I got somebody just as good. Yeah, he's a good guy. And I got somebody as good that's or better. That's laugh. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's a cackle. That's a cackle right there. The problem is those other managers have their own people to recommend. And and when I hear that, and I've sat in a few of these meetings, that kind of thinking reveals a manager who's thinking in a vacuum without considering other people's perspectives. I mean, look, if Mike said to me, if we weren't good friends, if we didn't trust each other, Mike said to me, well, Mark, you know, Joe is really, really good, don't you? I said, oh, yeah, definitely Joe's good. But it's irrelevant. I don't care. I I happen to think Bob, who works for me, is better than Joe. I don't mind mentioning to Mike that Joe's good (laughs) (laughs) because I'm about to prove that Bob is better. And so I can make Mike feel good that I said to him, yeah, Joe's good. Totally, dude. And then at the end of the meeting, he goes, so sorry that Joe lost his job, but my guy, Bob, kept his. Yes. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Totally an <laughs> Yeah, do that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that kind of approach, that kind of, uh, hey, you scratch my back. And I don't know if I can scratch yours, but, you know, you should know how good my people are. That's just destined to fail. What we have to have to be successful in a steel cage death match is data. We need specific examples of what our team members have done and ideally what they've done that others will know about and place value upon. And we need to have it in advance so we can make our case in the meeting. So here are some metrics that we need to consider. First, what we need is data about results against externally recognized deliverables. Okay, this is the synquanon. This is the platinum standard. Okay, this is where we start. It's not enough to just say how good they are for the stuff that they're measured against. We'll get to that. Look, I I got nothing wrong with that. Okay, we start though with the stuff they're measured against, which other people who will be in the meeting can immediately see the value of and have perhaps benefited from. So we ask ourselves, What are the accomplishments of each of my directs that will be of particular value to those who will be in the steel cage death match with me? Look, if your boss is really excited about the ice cream project, you better highlight for one of your guys why he was indispensable to the ice cream project. And your boss probably has forgotten about it. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm working on a project, yeah, I know who's doing good in the project, not, but I'm worried about the overall project. And I probably pretty quickly lose sense of, which one of whom did the best relative to everybody else. But if you're a manager and one of your guys worked for me and did great work and it's been six months, you need to remind me of that. Now, look, we're not saying here 
that only externally recognized metrics come first. And when I say externally recognized metrics, I mean things that your, that your directs are measured on that other people will understand and know and see the connection, see the value, remind them that loss of that is not good outside of your organization. In other words, it'll affect them. So we're not saying that's the only way, but that's the gold standard. If there are several areas where one of our directs performed well, we recommend you highlight those things that have value for other people in the meeting. If you're talking about why he's the best at some arcane thing that only you understand, which goes into work that nobody else really knows, but just trust you to get done. Yeah, that's not going to resonate. You're going to struggle. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to struggle. So, so look, we want you to have all of the results that they have against deliverables. And you make, hopefully there's a list of 10 or 15 things. And then you sift through those and put those things first that other people will need to go, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, gosh, I'd forgotten. Oh, what about that? Oh, you're right. You're right. Hey, you're just right, think right. about it. I mean, you're talking about on, in the layoffs, steel cage deathmatch meeting, your fellow managers are going to experience pain as a result of losing people. And so what you want to do is you want to try to balance that as much as you can in terms of, hey, this is what my folks are doing, and this is how it's going to impact you. Yeah. Help them understand the pain that they're going to experience or their organization is experience as a result of losing your person, right? What's in it for them? That's the question. Yeah. Now, I want to caution there, though. You don't go into the meeting saying, here's why you can't get rid of my guys because you guys need them. That is half-empty thinking, and that will be seen a little bit as hostage-taking, or it will be seen as, as um, asking for ransom, if you will. But the data can show it, though. You don't have to say it. The yeah, exactly. That, it. That's, a, that's the point I was going to Yeah. In other words, I'm not going to say, Bob, you can't afford to lose this guy. But when he hears the thing the guy did, he's going to go, oh, sure. I can't, can't, can't lose that guy. guy. I got <laughs> to have there, There's a story. I think I've said it once before on air. Probably some people will take this as a political statement. I don't mean it as a political statement at all. It's just about large organizational operations. Many years ago, when, when the U.S. government was shut down in a fight between President Clinton and the, the Republican Congress, the government was shut down. You know, government employees didn't get to go to work because they weren't going to get paid because there wasn't any money because Congress hadn't allocated it or authorized it. And uh, Alan Greenspan, the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, uh, very detailed-oriented person, really um, – there are a lot of people who don't like him today because of the housing bubble, but the fact is for many, many years he was considered a genius. And I always thought it was funny that Congress used to rail against the fact that he was – it was hard to understand him. They wanted him to reduce the multi-trillion dollar global economic system into a few sound bites that they could understand, which I'm sorry, you just can't do that. It's really complex. Not everything is E equals MC squared. That said, Greenspan called the president and said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I know there's a, a you know, there's a shutdown and everything, but there is a person at the Department of Commerce who gives me wheat futures or gives me tonnage per mile on the railroads or something. And that data is really important to me. And it's not something I can get anywhere else. Would you mind terribly keeping her on the payroll in some executive order or something? And of course, the president said, yes, he's a very smart guy. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing. What you want is somebody else needing the stuff that your people do. And, the, you know, I'm sure that wasn't the commerce department manager saying, I'll make sure that everybody knows how good you are. But believe me, 
if there were a layoff to come and I was that person's manager, the person who did the wheat features thing, I would be sitting with my peers and I'd say, dude, Alan Greenspan needs her stuff. She's off the table. And everybody go, yeah, you're right. Okay. Chairman Greenspan gets who he wants. That's a classic example of it, right? You can protect your people by having data that shows their value to other people. There's three types of managers that go into these meetings. The weakest manager is the manager who's not prepared. And it usually happens once. If he's a poor manager, it happens twice. And then if you're his boss, you say, okay, this guy's not learning. That's a bad sign. The second group are ones who do have some data. They've got a little bit of notes. The third group, the group you need to join, the group you need to be in, need to be a member of is the group that not only has the data and is prepared, but then has the data as it relates to other people. Again, that's the gold standard. But let's be clear, right? I mean, I, I, we, that's the gold standard, but there's nothing wrong with having some silver in your pocket too. Now we need data about results against non-externally recognized deliverables. And if you started by making a list of all the stuff they've done, and hopefully you don't have to make that list, but it exists somewhere in your one-on-one notes, right? Yay, one-on-ones. Then you've made a list and all you've done is move the ones that have external validity to the top of the list. In which case, the second half of the list or the second third or two-thirds or whatever the list are the rest of their uh, data about results. Notice, though, we're not saying things they've done. We're saying data about results. Be careful and be thinking about how other people in your organization see what it is your team does relative to the word results, okay? What we want to know here, and this is true for all of the data about performance, but it's particularly true for those that are externally recognized, but what have they done relative to their core job performance measures that still matters even if others aren't aware of it? What are they required to do and how well have they done it? Things that are done that benefit the team that are important to you may not be the metrics to sell them to others who are going to be in the meeting. So that might be the thing that would be at the bottom of the list, but they'd still be on the list. Now, be very careful about touting results that are not about deliverables that their job requires. We all kind of have a a habit of valuing things in the moment that are helpful or that make sense. Oh, you know, she was really involved in the big company party or whatever. Yeah. But we have to look at the bigger picture to make sure that whatever we're touting to others has value beyond our narrow view. Look, admit it. I know I've done it too. We've all lost track at times of what the mission is, what the division's mission is, what the company's mission is, how your team fits into that mission. And people start doing things that you think of are value, but then you look back and go, why did we waste time doing that? That really wasn't a big picture home run at all. So get a list of all the deliverables and then promote to the top those deliverables, the results of the results about or data about results against deliverables that have value to other people. Now, there's a third thing. This is more for promotion steel cage death matches, but it's not exclusively for st- promotion steel cage death matches. And that is results against next level deliverables, right? This, this alludes to the manager tools, 150% rule that if you really want to be good at getting people promoted, then not only did you do hundred percent of their job, um, but to avoid the tragedy of the welder, you need to have given them 50% of your job so that they have done all of their job and some of your jobs. So when they get promoted, they will be good at it. This is where clever managers live who want to get their team members promoted. Look, most time, if you're in a promotion steel cage death match, other managers are going to be touting how well their folks did in their jobs. 
Again, remember the tragedy of the welder. Just because somebody who's a great wel- somebody's a great welder doesn't mean they're going to be a great welding manager. We have to show what part of our job have they done and done well. Off the top of my head, can they run a meeting? Just because you say so doesn't mean other people know it. How can you prove that he can run a meeting? Suddenly, hopefully, a bunch of you are scribbling down, ooh, I want to get Roberta promoted. Um, gee, I guess I need to have her run meetings that my peers are in so they can see her running a meeting competently, confidently, easily, smoothly. Yeah, that's how you do it. Oh, I know it's politics. You probably, oh, you wouldn't want to do politics. But you do some politics and you get your people promoted, right? Can they present? Have others seen them present? Others who are going to be in the room. Can they manage a budget? How will others know? Why not this year assign part of your budget to her and then next year give her the entire budget? And when your peer comes to you and says, well, let me let me talk to Roberta because she's doing the budget this year. Wow, Roberta's doing your budget? Yeah, she's ready for promotion. And I don't want her to learn about budgets the way I did, which is, oh, by the way, here's some printouts figured out. Right? And then again, can they manage a project? We should be thinking, okay, if I've got a project that I can do, maybe I should assign it to one of my directs so that he or she will have access to my peers. And that will then cause those peers to realize that they're good. (laughs) All right. So let me ask you a question, though, because, I mean, these are all positive things, but we know folks have weaknesses. So let's talk about that. Do we we, uh, present focus of people as as being... um, completely without fault? Or do we do we even bring up the fact that they have weaknesses in these meetings? I'm sorry, I'm confused about something. Bear with me for just a second, folks. I got to ask Mike a question. Mike, are you saying that people in your organization have weaknesses? Because mine don't. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I'm just. You're not saying that. You're saying hypothetically for somebody else. Thousands. So I, I, I'm sure yeah. somebody in there does. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, because folks have weaknesses. no, my, my mind don't. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're such an effective. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, right. I'm effective. Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, there are people out there who tell themselves they're effective managers because their people don't have weaknesses, and only because. They have blind spots just like you and I do. I just love that guy. He's great. Guess what? Everybody you love has weaknesses. Look, our peer managers and our boss will all have some sense of the weaknesses of our directs. What examples could we present them that'll show that the weaknesses are perceived, that the weaknesses that are perceived are not significant to act as a mark against them? And look, If somebody says, yeah, okay, he's good, but what about his weaknesses? Yeah, he's got two or he's got one. I'm working on X. And I have to tell you, when you get that question, wouldn't hurt to have, I think it's, I don't know if it's a public cast or a private cast, Mike, in the interviewing series, how to handle the weakness question, right? You ought to know how to handle that question. Your boss is interviewing um, you about your directs and you're the mouthpiece for your directs. So you ought to know uh, a three-part answer, how to answer that question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got to have that. That's the bottom. That's the bottom of uh, the baseball card. We'll talk about later. Yeah, uh, people are going to ask, so be prepared. Yeah, and look, folks, you don't need more than a bullet or two. You don't need a chapter. You don't need two paragraphs about weaknesses. You just need to be able to talk about it cogently and answer the question. Good. Now you said earlier, you know, it's about data, and folks start typically start ninety percent of folks start with relationships. We're not saying that relationships don't matter at all, right? I mean, say, but you're you're saying start with the data, but relationships matter as well. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's funny to hear you say. I said earlier, it's all about data. I was going to say, that <laughs> no, horseman's, horseman's yeah, twelfth law. It's that? all about Come data. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, uh, uh, it's all about data about people. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, it's not enough to know our directs. It's not enough to know their strengths and weaknesses. It's not enough to know why they deserve the job. It's not enough to know, believe, or think that in a fair fight, they're the best person to stay or to get promoted. It's not. We have to have created the relationships between ourselves and our peers such that they'll be able to hear and believe what we say about our directs, even in the face of attempting to promote their own directs or to keep their own directs. I can't stress that enough. We've said it before. I'm paraphrasing Peter Drucker, rest in peace. You know, communication is what the listener does. If your peers don't like you, if they think of you as selfish and out for yourself all the time, how good your people are in the meeting will fall on deaf ears. Now, look, obviously, if you're reading this right before you're walking into a steel cage death match, you may have left out a key part of the persuasive equation, <laughs> which is other people have to hear you and believe what you're saying. And okay, probably five years ago, I'd have shaken my finger at you, but, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say there's nothing you do about that right now. We're trying to help you where you are. Hopefully, you won't be running around trying to get the data we've recommended you have for the meeting because it's on your one-on-ones or you've got some sort of form somewhere. You can sketch something out real quickly. And if you've got an admin, you could say, please type these up. I guarantee you, if you have never talked about this to anybody, you've never called this meeting a steel cage death match, and you have an admin, I know it's pretty rare, but if you have an admin and you ask him or her to put together baseball cards on everybody in preparation for the meeting, they are going to tell everybody who works for you, this guy is awesome. He's preparing one pagers. He's going to walk into that meeting telling everybody how good we are. Yeah, he's got weaknesses on there, but this guy's ready. No other boss I've ever worked for has ever done this. You will be a god or at least a demigod. And look, if you don't have either, if you don't have preparation, you don't have relationships, good luck. Uh, I hope you're a good talker. You know, maybe you're really, really good. But look, what we're telling you is if you're not facing a steel cage death match meeting now, this is a reminder that relationships, professional relationships between your peers and your boss and you are, are good, are necessary. You've got to do them for this moment. Relationships are things you're constantly investing in so that at times you can make an emotional withdraw- a withdrawal from the emotional bank account. And that's what happens in Steel Cage Deathmatch meetings. The more investment you've put in, the more they can hear, the more they'll trust you, the more they'll believe you when you say, we've got to keep Robert and Terry and Sam. And now, hopefully, everyone sees the value of peer one-on-ones. Now, everyone sees the value of regularly updating your boss on your directs. So if you aren't facing a steel cage death match meeting right now, you still have work to do right now. You have relationships to build with your peers and your boss. Now look, with your boss, you can ask for a weekly update meeting. There's a cast for that. If you can't get that, we understand it happens all the time. Managers write me and say, you know, my boss won't do it. My boss won't do it. And then they immediately say, how can I change my boss? And I say, Well, you could leave. That's one way to change your boss. Uh, Or you can get promoted twice or get promoted once, actually. You can send her a monthly report highlighting your performance and your direct's performances. She might only look briefly, but it will make a difference. And if it's in a format that ties to the baseball card, so much the better. With your peers, reach out for those peer one-on-ones. Maybe you can't get them with everybody, but you can with some people. And make sure part of your regular communications there include saying something about your directs and not just yourself and what you need. Do it now. Get on people's calendars. 
this week. Yeah. Okay. Now, some of you are listening to this in, in late 2011, I guess. And if that's the case, you might be thinking, well, I'm not going to be doing a layoff steel cage death match anytime soon, but you might be doing a promotion steel cage death match because what's going to happen? The market's going to loosen up and people are going to leave. People are finally going to feel like the barrier to exit is, is low enough where they can leave. And then there are going to be opportunities available. And uh, the boss is going to bring you in and say, okay, we, we you know, we got to put somebody in this slot. Let's talk about him. And now you're ready because for the last six months, you've been doing what you needed to do. Okay, now let's talk about the baseball card. You mentioned it several times, and it's probably something we ought to dedicate an entire cast to. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So for now, what are, what are the simple basics? And look, guys, I apologize. I, I mentioned this uh, the other day. I can't remember where I was. I it was in an airport. And I said, oh, you need a baseball card. And the person looked at me funny and really sharp, really sharp person. But he said, I don't get it. And I started talking about it. He says, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. He said, but why is that a baseball card? And here's the thing. He didn't really know what a baseball card was. He's 23, 22 years old, didn't really understand what they were. So let me be clear. (laughs) A baseball (laughs) card, because I like baseball, because the Dodgers rule. (laughs) I like baseball. If you don't, that's okay. Let me translate. A baseball card, when we say baseball card, we mean a one-page document which lists the strengths and at the bottom the weaknesses, the data that I've talked we've already talked about in this cast with a picture on it because you'd be surprised and some contact information of the name of the person at the top of the page. For every one of your directs, you want to create a one-page document which highlights their strengths and values to the organization. Please don't make it like an actual baseball card with a big picture on the front and all their <laughs> details on the back. I did that happened to me. It's oh, it's been ooh, it's been 12, 15 years ago. Somebody printed two-sided paper and they put a large picture and they said, I assumed what you were telling me, Mark, is that when I was talking about Joe. I would hold up his baseball card and I would read off the back how good he was while everybody was staring at the picture of Joe. I'm like, oh, dude, no, you can't. You just can't. You're not, you're kidding me, right? You gave him an eight. He said, no, it wasn't, it was too much ink. So it was, it was like a five by seven picture of them on one side and then a bunch of details in the back. And I held it up vertically in front of me and read off the things while they looked at the guy's face. I said, no, you don't, you don't need to do that. Make the picture a small one, an inch by two inches or something in the top left-hand corner. And that way, if somebody says, I don't remember the guy, you can say, well, look at the picture. And you put the name at the top, uh, some simple organizational data, picture at the top left, and then highlight their accomplishments using the, the criteria above to the right and below their picture. And then have enough copies for everybody. Oh, Oh, you want to send a message? Walk into the meeting with a bunch of manila folders with data about all your people on one-page documents and hand them out to everybody. Even better, have little labels on them saying SCDM and don't tell anybody what that name means with you know Mark's people or Bob's people or whomever, Rich's people, okay? And yeah, that'll impress them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now look, it's folks, it's not going to save everybody but it will impress the hell out of everybody in the meeting. And it will save some of the people that might have been on the bubble. The test of these meetings is not whether or not you get what you want for your top guy or whether you lose your bottom guy. It's those people in the middle. And the people who turn out best are the ones who save all the people that would have been on the bubble. And the way you save people is you have data 
and you have relationships in advance and you, you pitch that data to the people that you already have a relationship with and they believe you and they help you keep the people you want to keep. And that's it. So wrap up. Two types of steel cage deathmatch meetings, folks. There's layoffs and there's promotions. Layoffs are the ones that probably scare people the most, but they're the same basic principle. There are less chairs than there are people. And we've got to try to help our people get as many of the chairs as we can. In both cases, it's preparation. You got to have data about results, particularly externally recognizable results. Okay. And then you got to have relationships and that takes time. Please start now. Please start now. If you're not doing peer one-on-ones, you think it's corny, you think it's awkward. I got to tell you something. I'd rather be corny and awkward now than shame-faced in a steel cage deathmatch meeting. And then we skimmed across it. We apologize. We'll go in more detail at some point, the baseball card documentation to make it easy for you and to show other people that you have all of your stuff in one tight little bag. Too many managers, folks, just aren't prepared when these important moments happen. We're not going to shame you for it, but if you're like most managers, your first one is a disaster. Your second one is better, but it's still probably awful. And the third one, you're starting to get traction. By the fourth, you're probably a professional. But let's all admit that's too long. We need to start now building the relationships and gathering data so your team and you can weather the storm or take advantage of the opportunities. That's why Manager Tools is here. There you go. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. Glad you could join us. Hey, if you got any questions about the Steel Cage Deathmatch, join us on the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. I think it'll be a great conversation. We'll see you there. <laughs>